Welcome to The Future Is, a podcast where we meet the people shaping what's next in business and life. I'm your host, Laura Kelleher, Honeywell's Chief Marketing Officer. In each of these episodes, you will have the opportunity to meet engineers, business leaders, and Honeywell's future shapers as they uncover how today's innovation will make the world safer, smarter, and more sustainable. Today, I'm thrilled to sit down with Vimal Kapoor, Honeywell's President and Chief Operating Officer, to talk about the recent World Economic Forum annual meeting and how innovation will play a role in helping companies overcome some of the most pressing challenges in the years to come. Welcome, Vimal. Hi, Laura. Thank you very much. Thanks for having me. <clears throat> Absolutely. So you recently attended the World Economic Forum annual meeting. I would love to hear your take on some of the meeting discussions and you know, important agenda items. Yeah, so it's a World Economic, Fo World Economic Forum or Davos, as it's popularly known, is a very fascinating forum. You know, uh, it's one of the unique forum where you have participation from companies, uh, political uh, leadership, uh, and media, and also non-government organizations. It's a unique mix which allows you to have conversation which otherwise won't be possible. So I wanted, first of all, listeners and viewers to kind of get the perspective that what's so unique about it. Mm. This year, the theme was, how do you collaborate in a very fragmented world? And I think why the, I like the theme is very meaningful is that the problems we are facing today are far more complex than what we had 10 or 15 years back. If you have to solve the issue of supply chain constraints, if we have to really come out with new technologies on climate change, or even for that matter, we have to solve some of the geopolitical issues. It can only happen through collaboration, uh, through dialogue. Mm -hmm. And I think that was a very how, how it was you know, positioned as a core theme uh, of, of the event this year. We know the energy crisis and the need for action around climate are topics that really shaped the annual meeting. What is your take on some of those discussions? And where can Honeywell make a meaningful impact? So I think the, the way I look at it is that customers, governments are now much more clearer on possible actions they can drive. So I think the discussions are more shifting to what can we do, uh, more in action orientation versus we are still thinking about it. So there's mm. a clearly shift to do something about it. Yeah. Uh, so we clearly see every country developing their own strategy. And interestingly, it's very different for each major material economy. Uh, US, we all know, have uh, pushed uh, Inflation Reduction Act, mm -hmm. which will uh, you know, uh, enable many new technologies or existing technologies to de deploy it to resolve the climate change issue, whether it's wind and solar, whether it's hydrogen, carbon capture, sustainable aviation fuel. But if you see the European point of view is slightly different, there's more emphasis on green hydrogen. Mm -hmm. <clears throat> if you see uh, India, they are much more emphasis on ethanol. So it, it's not the, I think it's very clear that there's no one answer to this puzzle. Uh, everybody has to find their uh, capabilities, their orientation, and really find uh, the solution. At the same time, the companies are also really evolving their strategy. I think every company or many large companies made their commitment for carbon neutrality, mm. 2035, 2040 are the typical dates where most companies have committed. Right. But now they're really getting it also into execution mode because now there's a more touch and feel on, okay, I can do A, I can do B, I can do C, and that's my pathway to neutrality. So that's a clear shift on doing versus thinking. Now coming to Honeywell, I think we probably, uh, I, I feel quite proud 
to be part of Honeywell yeah. and lead the transition, which uh, the world has to go through from an energy transition perspective. Uh, we have two businesses, one in PMT and one in HPT, which are directly leading a lot of sustainability transition. Uh, in PMT, we are making tremendous progress with our sustainability business, which enables new new technologies like uh, hydrogen, like carbon capture, sustainable aviation fuel. Mm. Uh, we clearly see a lot of demand for those technologies, and our business engagements are growing with our customers. <clears throat> on the building side, uh, we're doing the effort primarily on building efficiency. We always were driving building efficiency, you know, for last 40 years. Yeah. We were making building management systems, which are the baseline for it. But now we are putting more measures of... Uh, software-oriented models so that you can use multimodal controls, we call it, so that you can take the energy savings to the next level. Uh, but our effort of Honeywell to save energy transition is not limited to those two. I want to clarify that. Aero business is making a major move to electrification of the aero industry. Mm. Uh, you know, there's electrification going to happen there. Urban air mobility is a great example, and we have a strong play in that. And our SPS business is playing heavily in the sensors, which are required to enable electrification. So a, a large part of Honeywell, I mean, our punchline is 60% of the Honeywell R&D spend is uh, uh, spent towards ESG. And this is not a slogan. We actually measure at the project level. So this is computed number yeah. bottoms up. And that shows where we are headed as a company. I mean, our revenue stream will be heavily biased towards ESG offerings. Uh, you know, in the times to come. Right. What do you see as some of the main challenges to achieving progress toward climate change, right? There's so much good stuff. People are meeting at Davos. You know, we're all trying to have this bias toward action. What do you see as some of the main challenges and what do we need to do to overcome them? I think the, you know, uh, we we do this uh, sustainability survey every year and did the recent one a couple of days back. The number one reason comes the economic, that economic returns yeah. are not there, uh, our budgets are not there. It's kind of a similar related, uh, <clears throat> uh, you know, theme. I I think the uh, the enabling factors are going to be first of all education. Yeah. This is something so new that energy transition optionality has to be known to all the stakeholders. That you know, it's companies, policymakers, and ordinary citizens. Mm. What we can do. So education plays a very important role. Then policy plays a very important role because policy enablement is gonna be key for making some technologies more feasible. Uh, so if your rate of return is say zero, but policy makes it 5%, it just makes the whole thing more feasible. Mm -hmm. So that's why things like IRA are critical enabler for uh, adoption. And finally, I would say technology becoming more and more feasible itself. That's where role of company like Honeywell comes in, that we make our te current technology options more flexible uh, I'll give an example. When we started sustainable aviation fuel in 2013, we started with one type of uh, feedstock. We call it fog, uh, cooking oil, fatty acid, and yeah. greases. Today, we launched uh, about six months back, we launched use, uh, producing sap from ethanol. Mm -hmm. And we are on a pathway to look at producing uh, sap from woody moss. So that's our job to keep progressing the technology so that technology feasibility uh, you know, uh, increases. So yeah. it's had to be a combination of everybody needs to know what they can do. Mm -hmm. uh, policy has to enable adoption. Right. And companies like Honeywell has to create more technology which is affordable, which is executable, 
so that the transition can really happen on a real-time basis. Yeah, yeah. You know, one of the other things that, that Honeywell offers, right, and I know we have a lot of focus on, is digitalization. Mm-hmm. So can you talk a little bit about how digitalization can help accelerate climate action and emission control? Yeah, so I think one thing which has been underemphasized is that uh, we how do we measure the baseline? Because it's a complex uh, issue, whether it's a scope one or scope two emissions, we need to have accurate measurement. Bigger as a company, more as an asset base they have. The asset base could be manufacturing plants. Asset base could be your uh, buildings, mm-hmm. warehouses. Right. So how do you accurately measure how much emissions you have? Now, uh, f- accuracy could be 5% or 10% or 15 or 20% wrong, but with, that's not the only point. Once you get the baseline right, you know where the opportunities are the most. That's why the measurement or digitization is critical. And one of the things we have been working on for the last year or so is how we put a real-time system in place to measure emission at an enterprise scale. Mm. And our specialty is always going to be sensors, measurement, control. That's a heritage of Honeywell. And then we are enabling that at an enterprise-level visualization. Uh, and we think that's going to be a big enabler for reduction in climate, uh, you know, in the emissions, because yeah. what you can't measure, you can't control, right? The good old saying. So, yeah, we, 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 are, we, are, we are putting that in the front and center. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And with the accountability around these goals, this is, this is right. really critical. Right. So speaking about accountability around goals, you know, Honeywell has made commitments, right, um, around carbon neutrality mm-hmm. and um, just would love it if you could give us a little update on some of that, right? Talk to us about that and the progress yeah. that we've made. So Honeywell has uh, made a commitment to be carbon neutral by 2035. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, So that's a overarching goal, which is now 12 years away. Yeah. But we have an immediate commitment of 2024 that by 2024, we'll reduce our emission by 10% to our 2018 levels. So that's like literally here and now, means we have should have completed the work practically by now yeah. to deliver that. And I feel very confident that we are going to meet or beat that target. So, uh, you know, and most of it is using a lot of energy efficiency projects. Mm -hmm. And some of it is going to be using some of our own technology, which we are innovating and deploying to our customer. But we also want to deploy to our own plants. Our second target is reducing our emission by 50 percent by 2030. So we are considering those projects today because these things take can take 12 months, can take 24 months. So. And our final target is full reduction uh, by 2035. So I feel very confident that uh, we want to be uh, a leading organization to set standard on constantly reducing our emissions. Yeah. Uh, and we just want to showcase our own capability through that through that model. And in addition to you know getting to net zero, right, and emission controls, what are some of the other things that we're doing to help mitigate climate impact? I think more broadly. Uh, spreading the message, getting the story out. I think yeah. it's important that uh, the intensity of the issue is understood. Uh, I think there's still uh, you know, not enough appreciation across the world for, for different reasons. It's just that people haven't got the perspective. Yeah. So part of our job is to provide every avenue, support and sponsor the programs uh, you know, which, which enable that. So we have a big, for example, program in India to put uh, you know, million trees uh, over the next 10 years. The point, of course, trees are great for environment, but it's also communicating the message of why environment is important through that simple means and action. Mm -hmm. So I think the big part is community engagement, stakeholder engagement, apart from technology, that has to be an important element of, uh, you know, this transition. Yeah, absolutely. 
so much inspiring stuff here. I mean, really, and um, impressive, right? Like there's there's a lot going on. Um, one of the questions that we always ask in our podcast um, before we end is, um, what did you want to be when you grew up, when you were younger? What did you think about? So that's, I have to go back, God, how many years now? 35 <laughs> years back, because I'm working for 35 years. So I, I, you know, when I was younger, we all had a lot of idealistic views. So my idealistic view was I wanted to join Army. Yeah. Uh, did not make it because I did not pass the physical test. So I have a flat foot, so they didn't consider me <laughs> to be even interviewed. So rest is history. Then I pursued my engineering education and pretty much worked all my life in Honeywell. So yeah. It's been wow. pretty fascinating. Great. Yeah. Love it. Thank you so much for, you. for meeting with us today Thanks and sharing all me. of yeah. that. Thank you for listening to this episode of The Future Is. For more stories on the people and innovations shaping what's next in business and life, subscribe to The Future Is and leave us a review where you listen to podcasts.